The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. We are going to be finishing today our series on what is God like, which is really how do you finish a series like that? Because the series needs to go on, really. But this week is going to be the last one we're going to do on this subject of what is God like. That's because next week, summer holidays are starting, and so we're going to be moving into our summer Sundays. In actual fact, we haven't got BTC kids with us next week, but they will be joining us then over the summer period. And we're going to be starting a new series then. We're going to be looking at uh, the Diary of a Disciple. And now that's something that the BTC kids have been looking at over the last number of weeks, and they're going to continue. So if you like, because they're joining us down here, we're going to be joining them with their program, The Diary of a Disciple, which is actually looking at Luke's gospel and following in with that. So we'll be cutting in with that next week. But that's what we'll be starting next week. But this week, as I say, we're coming back to just finish off this series, What is God Like? And I was reflecting on the fact of what I was speaking about. You know, when you haven't been speaking for a number of weeks, you can forget what you've been speaking about. I know you never forget what I've been speaking about, but sometimes I find I forget. So I obviously look back and I realized that I was speaking about the fact that the Bible says that God is. God is. And we looked at the fact that God is and that God is incomparable and that God is love. And so I briefly touched on that. And then obviously I went off on holiday handing over to my colleagues here. Kevin came and gave a fantastic perspective at the beginning of his message. Because of course the advantage of having live stream is that you can watch what's going on if you're not in this country. And if you can't attend the service, you can watch on live stream or be at home and watch right now. And Kevin started off by giving a great perspective about this whole message of what is God like? And he explained it in a way that I thought was brilliant. is the fact that really, how can we handle this subject? How can we handle the subject as mere mortals, as those who have been created? Although we like to think of ourselves as having brains and capacity and education, how can we, who were created by God, really fully understand who God is? It's beyond us. He is beyond us. And Kevin was talking about things of space and all those sort of stuff. And it just makes you realize, yes, how great God is. And of course, as I was thinking about this, this last week, of course, which I'm sure you've seen in the news, there have been the first pictures that have come from the James Webb Telescope. This telescope, which is quite a cheap telescope, you know, like you can get children's telescopes. This one costs $8 billion, so it's actually quite an expensive telescope. And you hope that, wow, I hope it's going to do its job. That's what the scientists and the astronomers are hoping when it gets up in space. And it's been up there, and they've been sorting it out and getting it all set up, and now they've started to get pictures come back. And so you started to see the pictures. And I saw some of these pictures, and I, I looked at them, and I thought, well, okay, it's a picture. Look, we've actually got one to show you here. This is one of the pictures. There you go. So, wow, what a, a colorful, in one sense, beautiful picture. And yeah, I don't know, well, you're looking at it, and you're thinking, probably, like I am. Well, okay, that's a picture of space. Great. And that's sort of my, re- I mean, it, wow, colors, yes. There's a lovely star in the middle. This is actually a nebula, a planetary nebula, and I found that really you need something to go alongside that picture 
to help you really understand what we're talking about here in space. So, I obviously had to look into a few things. This is an infrared picture taken by this new telescope, and it shows a nebula, which is a cloud of gas and plasma. Don't ask me lots of questions, just stuff out there, okay? Because a star has exploded, and this is where materials that they believe make up new stars. Okay, wonderful. So, that's what's going on in that picture. But then as I read the information that surrounded it, they actually say that that actually, that light part, that, the distance across there is actually half a light year. So again, you're okay, that's <laughs> half a light year, good picture, thank you. Um, but actually, a light year is 5.8 trillion miles. So the picture you're looking at here, that light bit, is actually something like three trillion miles across. So what appears on our screens as this tiny little thing is actually three trillion miles across. That's how big it is. And then this picture is actually quite a distance away in space. So it's quite a distance away from where we are. Well, how far? Well, actually, it's 2,000 light years away, so you do the mathematics, this is 2,000 times 5.8 trillion miles away. And when you see that, you think, okay, it's not just a nice picture. Space is almost beyond our comprehension. Because the numbers, the maths, the distances, is just, and there are many of these out there. And so the astronomers are getting all very excited about what they're seeing. But really what we should be saying is, God, you truly are utterly amazing. The space that you have created, and, and, and all of this, by the way, is reported in Genesis where he's talking about the creation of the world and he's talking about how he's created man. And then there's this throwaway line in Genesis 1 verse 16 which just says, oh, and he made the stars. There it is, God made two great lights the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. So he's talking about the sun and the moon. They have been created. Oh, and by the way, he also made the stars. Well, hang on a second. The picture we've just been looking at is, is trillions of miles away. The distances are trillions of miles. And he just gives it a one small line. to say, oh yeah, I also made those. Don't worry about that. That's just for you to enjoy. This is the God. And I say it like that from a point of view, we're trying to gain perspective of who God is. We sit here numbed. We go about our daily lives being numbed and we don't really understand God is great and he is most worthy of the praise of our hearts. He is most worthy of the praise of our, our lives. Space that God has created is huge. And Kevin went on to talk to us about the fact that God is also faithful and he's rich in mercy. And William showed us that God is relational. He said, look, I'm coming to tell you that God is relational. Wow. God is relational. That means he enjoys relationship with us. But more than that, he wants to have relationship with us. Just stop and think for a minute. If you were asked, you know, who, which famous person would you like to have a cup of tea with? Which person would you like to sit down and ask a few questions of? Maybe it's some famous sportsman. Maybe it's some 
I don't know, social media star. Maybe it's some pop star. Maybe it's some politician. Maybe it's some famous person because they've created or invented this, that, and the other. Who is it? It's going to be different for every one of us because we're all interested in different sorts of things. But if you thought it wasn't just you're given the opportunity to have a cup of tea with that person, you heard that that person, that famous person, they actually wanted to meet you. What, me? Me? Sometimes you see these stars who go into a hospital where there's a sick child and, the, and they go there to encourage that child in their sickness. You know, it's often reported in the press. And the children are just amazed. Wow! Look, you know, football stars come to see me or whoever it is. This person has shown interest in me. I can't get my head around this. And that's the problem. We can't get our head around this. This isn't a pop star who wants to have relationship with us. This is the God who has created heaven and earth and who is saying, I am interested in you. I'm interested in you. I'm interested in what you're about. I'm interested in you, your life and how to lead your life into the ways that you get fulfillment from your life. I am a relational God and I want relationship with you. As I'm listening to that message of William, it's almost like I can't hear everything he's saying because I'm thinking like, I can't get my head around this. We need to get our heads around this. God is interested in us. But it's always that we push it off. We push it onto the person next to it. Of course, they're better than me. Or I know my faults. And therefore, I know why he shouldn't want to come close. But he has said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I am for you, not against you. I am your strength and your shield. And he wants to come and have relationship with us. You know, I think this is what David was trying to get. He's a King David. When he was writing his Psalms, as a, a written down in Scripture, Psalm 8, verses 3 to 4, this issue of space, this issue of relationship, I think this is what he's trying to get his head around when he writes this. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, like the moon and stars which you have set in place, what is mankind? Who am I? That you are mindful of me. That you want relationship with me. Human beings that you care for them. It's, that's what David's wrestling with. He's looking at the stars one night. And out where he was, I guess it, was, it wasn't a lot of you know, street lamps. So you could see it more clearly. And he's just thinking, God, I can't get my head around this. Who are you? That you who have created all of this, which is beyond my understanding, you want relationship with me. God is relationship, relational. And of course, Yomi last week was talking about the names of God or some of the names of God, Elohim, and describing the fact that God is plural, that there's the Trinity, that God gives us our identity. We are his children. And he gives us, therefore, the identity of who he is. And he, he is a loving God who wants this relationship with us, who has created us for that relationship. I found great encouragement in listening to those messages and just hearing this and being stirred with it. But it stirred me with this. Here's the problem. We keep, and I say we, I'm referring to myself here as much as anything else. We keep desiring to find knowledge. I want to know God more. If I know facts about him, if I know how big he is, if I know what he can do, then that's going to help me. And it does help us in our understanding. But it's got to... I just felt within myself, look, something's got to stop. I've got to stop trying to find out who he is. I've got to start realizing that God is. He is. He is creator. 
He is the first and the last. He is the one who gives us day and night. He is the one who supports our lives from moment to moment. He is. That is what it is. He is. So when you wake up in the morning, it's not because you've managed to do something. It's because God has kept you alive for another day. Even if it was a sleepless, hot night that we had some of and we're likely to get more of those. God has kept you. He is in control. He is over all things. He has made the sun, the moon, and the stars. When you switch on your news and you start looking at what's happening politically, the politicians don't mention the fact that God is. They're trying to work around life not mentioning that fact or not working to that fact. The position that we need to take is that we need to understand that He is that he is in control, that he is over all things. And therefore, the position of our lives should be that of worship. Lord, you are worthy of adoration. I find in my own prayers, I come to this point, Lord, you've got to tell me who you are. You've got to help me understand. You've got to break from my mindsets, the negativity. Because so often, we're wondering, can I really trust you you see things have happened in my life which make me feel like oh I don't know because that wasn't very good I'm not enjoying this pain I'm not enjoying this stuff I'm going through I'm not enjoying these experiences I'm not enjoying this I don't know therefore you're supposed to be good but how do I equate good with what my experience is telling me we can't go in our feelings we have to go on the facts and the facts are this God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, there was God. And he, from that beginning, created everything, including us. That's the position that we need to get ourselves into. Because until we get ourselves to that position... We're going to be blown around by all sorts of things. We're blown around by our emotions. We're blown around by the experiences that we have. We're blown around by the things that are facing us each day. Whereas we need to come to that solid place that says, God, you are. And my mind questions, God, you are. Oh, yeah, but how can I be sure? Am I, stop. I have to declare to my mind, stop. Last week when we were in Portugal, one of the lovely things there where we were, there was a lot of countryside around us. And I was able to go for walks in the morning because it was cooler in the morning. And you're going out for a walk and it's very hilly there. So there was the ability to get up a hill and therefore have a great vista. And every time you're up a hill and you're seeing these views, there's something about it that says like, wow. You know what it's like when you see a big view, when you've got mountains or seascapes or anything? It, it, there's something in you that always says, wow. Because it's the creation of God, it's the glory of God that overwhelms you. And so when I was walking around there, I'm seeing, and I, my mind is saying, wow, God, you are amazing. You have created these things. You truly are amazing. You come back to the familiarity of your surroundings. You know, you know your street. You know the streets in the street. You know the cars. And, and oh, they're cars. And man has made cars. And, and suddenly, everything seems to sort of close in. And you lose that vista of who God is. We need to pray earnestly. Father, have mercy upon us and awaken our souls. Help us come to a place of full understanding in you. Lord, our hearts cry out to you. We need you, Lord. 
We need you to break into our lives. We need, oh God, the numbness that comes against us, the doubts, the fears, the unbelief. Lord, those things that seem to suppress you, Lord, we want them to go in the name of Jesus. We are asking, Heavenly Father, that you bring the light of your counsel, the knowledge of your wisdom, the glory of your presence into our hearts more and more. That we, oh God, as your people, would be those who are steadfast and secure in the understanding of your greatness. Lord, cause our minds, oh God, to be filled with the knowledge of your glory. Let our hearts, oh God, be excited with your presence, Lord. We ask you, Lord, please press in upon us. Forgive us, Lord, for our arrogance, our foolishness, our hypocrisy, our pride, Lord. That self-belief that we have, Lord. When everything is given to us by you, every good and perfect gift comes from you. You are the Father who cares for us. Lord, help us in these things, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Look, that's my first point, really, which is that we've got to come back to this place of saying that God is. We've got to come back to that place. And you know what? There's a great change in, from me asking God, what are you like? To coming to a place where I say, you are God and you can do what you like. Or you are God, what is it you would like me to do? That's a big change for me saying, oh God, who are you? What are you like? What are you doing? There's a questioning. The other comes to more of a surrender and a submission. And we've got to come to that place of surrendering. Coming under the authority of God. Bringing ourselves under him. You know, I've had this picture, or not picture, but I've just been watching the mother and child or father and child, young children. The parents are constantly watching over their children. Well, they're trying to constantly watch over their children because the children are running here, there and everywhere. And the parents are constantly giving instructions to the children on yeah, that's good. Or encouragement. Yes, are you enjoying that? You're playing with... No, don't touch that. Please, can you take your fingers out the socket in the wall? Please don't touch that fan. Please don't poke that into the front of the fan. There's, there's commands. There's instructions. There's encouragement. There's fun. There's laughter. There's all of those things happening all the time. But we're looking at the children. The children look to their parents. What's gone wrong with us that we've stopped looking to our father and obeying what he wants us to do? Where did we become so arrogant and proud that instead of being a child, which was, we suddenly become a, a chadult. You know, we're no longer in that childish way. We've suddenly assumed that we know what we're doing, we know what we're about, we don't need you anymore. Just like the arrogance of a teenager who's going through that process of change to an adult. But as Christians, we don't want to go through that arrogant phrase. We want to remain as children under the care of our father and it's not all arrogance, it's learning, okay? For those of you who are teenagers going through that, we've all, not all of us, some perhaps too young, many of us have been through that situation. And we know what it's like, and we look back to those years. I'll move on before I dig a deeper hole at this point, okay? Look, if God is who I have even been declaring to us this morning, what's the matter with us? that we can't abandon ourselves to this God. You see, when you look at the facts, you think, what is the matter with me? He who has created this space that is beyond the comprehension or 
of computers and man's mind, but he's trying to find out more about God. What's the matter with us that we find it difficult to surrender ourselves to him? By surrendering, I mean that that we're prepared to listen to him and do what he's asking us to do. What's the problem with us? I look at my life and think, well, this is stupid. When I see who he is, why is my heart still resisting that? There's something wrong here, and I need to bring that to God and say, God, please, I need you to help me with this. I see this within me. Please, will you come and help to change me? God is relational. He wants relationship with me. He wants relationship with you. With you. You can touch your own self. He wants relationship with me. We can all say that. Do I trust him? I know this is an issue. You see, a relationship is built on trust. Because when there's a distrust that comes into a relationship, the relationship has a shake. Relationships need trust. So do we trust him? How do we trust him? By Certainly by learning more about him. But the writer to the Hebrews gives us this warning. He says in Hebrews 3 verses 12 to 14, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. See to it, brothers and sisters. Our job as a church fellowship is to encourage one another so that we're not in a place of losing faith. We're not in a place of losing sight of who God is. But instead, we're trying to encourage each other. Hey, don't forget this. Remember what he is like. I know you're going through that tough time, but I want to say to you, God is faithful and he has a way of keeping you. And our testimony, what we have been through in the past, is part of that encouragement that we can pass on to one another. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily, daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. The problem with sin and the effects of sin is that it can deceive us, it can harden our hearts, it can take us off course. And so therefore we need to be kept close to God. We want to help each other, encourage each other. We're not here to condemn, we're here to build up. Condemnation comes when people have a judgmental attitude because they think they're better. That comes from basis of pride in our lives. Ultimately, I'm better than you. Therefore, this is what you need to do. Nobody likes that. But people love the reality and the honesty when people start to say, hey, I have been through what you're going through. I understand. I, okay, it's not exactly the same, but this is what I've been through. And instead of condemning, we're loving. People know when they're loved. People know when they're judged. I know which one I prefer. I'm sure you do. Our hearts need to be brought to a place of loving others. Sometimes that can take effort, but that's what we've got God for, to ask him for help. God is is a starting place, is an important place, is the place where we need to take hold of. That's where we need to be. Secondly, God is compassionate and patient, unlike the clock. The good news is that God is compassionate and patient. Psalm 103 verses 8 to 10 say this, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving devotion. He will not always accuse us, nor harbor his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, or repaid us according to our iniquities. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you are patient. 
Thank you, Lord, that you are forgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you give me space to change. Because if you didn't, I would be in a terrible place. The fact that the Lord is compassionate and patient and gracious, I just need to remind us of this. Because how much do we need to remember that? However, however, because that is true, Peter goes on to say this, 2 Peter 3 verse 9. And he encourages us by saying, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, the reason I bring that scripture up is because he says he's not slow in keeping his promise. And the promise that Peter was actually underlining to the people he was writing to was that the day of the Lord is coming, that day when God is actually going to bring a judgment against what is wrong. He hasn't forgotten that he's going to do that. It's still going to happen. But he's also compassionate and kind. In other words, that's being held back to give you time to change. But it just encouraged me to bring in these two together. We love the fact that God is compassionate and merciful and we need to remember that and be encouraged by it. However, we need to hold against that. Look, it doesn't last forever. And there is a tension that we're also facing is the fact that Jesus is coming back and there will come a time when everyone will be judged for their sins. So there's a tension there. Praise God, he is good to us and he helps us. But let's not forget that time is limited. And therefore, there's an urgency of the hour that we need to wake up to and be responsible for. Okay, that was God is compassionate and patient. God is light is my third point. We're moving through this reasonably swiftly. God is light. 1 John 1 verse 5, it says this. God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. Now, when we think of light, or we want to, you know, let's think about a light. What's the... The sunshine. The sun gives us some understanding of God. Now, I say some understanding because don't forget the sun was created by him. Let's remember that. It's not even mentioned on day one, oh, I need to create the sun. No, it's it's tucked away a couple of days because God's got other stuff to do. But he has created the sun. And if ever you have looked at the sun, well, actually, who hasn't tried to look at the sun? I mean, let's be honest. You look at the sun. Is it bright? You take a quick look at it, only for a few seconds. You then turn away and you've got this sort of like brownish blob in, in, your, in the back of your mind because you basically burnt yourself out with the brightness of the sun. You know what Paul says to Timothy? He says that God dwells in unapproachable light. And this is what he said. God is light. This is who he is. This is what he is like. So when one says, when we're trying to look at the sun, let's find out what God's like. Look at the sun. Oh my, in fact, it's a bit like that under these spotlights here. You look up, oh, there they are. That's not even as, nearly as bright as the sun. God is light. Just imagine now that you, let's go to a place where it's dark. And I think we try to do this sometimes. If you want to see the stars, you go out at night. It's supposed to be dark, but there's lots of other lights around. So let's go down into a mine. Go down deep into the earth, into a mine shaft, and into a little sort of carved out cave in that mine shaft, and then switch the lights out. That is darkness. What is darkness? The absence of light. What can you see? Absolutely nothing. I cannot see anything. Why? Because it's dark. But it's not just dark, it's dark, dark, it's proper dark, there's no light. That's what darkness is. 
God is the opposite of that. God is light. So what happens in that darkness, in that place, in, in that mine shaft, when suddenly there's no light, there's nothing, you can't, you can't see your hand in front of your face. You can't see anything down there. And yet, you then light a match. And as soon as you've lit that match, what happens to the darkness? It's being expelled. Now, okay, the power of the light may not have the ability to fill the whole area where you are with light. But as soon as that match is lit, you have light. Darkness is the absence of light. It's not, there's nothing there. But do you realize that for us to see, we have to have light. Now, I, I think of this and I think of what God is like. God is light. Really, what he's saying is, without me, you can't even see properly. Because I am light, I give light, and I produce light. What does the enemy produce? Darkness. What is darkness? The absence of light. Now, I know these are just examples, but they're examples that we can get our heads around because we can understand what it's like to be in a dark place and no, not to be able to see anything. But we also need God because God is the one who can enable us to see. He can enable us to get the right perspective. He can enable us to get the right understanding. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Hallelujah. And you know what? If you want light in your life, God's light in your life, then this is the chief source of God's light. God has revealed himself through creation, but in these last days he has spoken to us through his son, is what the writer to the Hebrews said. And he has caused his word to be written down so that we might have understanding of what he is like. So this book is a book of light. This book is a book of revelation. This book is a book of wisdom and understanding that is there for you. Listen, if you are not receiving this book into your life, and I know it's reading, and I know some of it doesn't make sense, and I know some of it's all sort of different literature, and I know there's big words, and I know there's unpronounceable names, and I know there's boring bits in here. I know that. But I also want to tell you that this book is transforming. This book is educational. This book is life-giving. And as the people of God, hear this, as the people of God, we cannot do without his light because if we don't have his light, then we're living in darkness. And darkness is a place where there is the absence of light. Now, there's a lot more I'd love to talk about right now on this subject, but I just want to say this. There was a time when I just read my favorite bits. But there was also a time when I was challenged to read. And when I started to read, I found I was being transformed by this word. You have to read the word of God. It doesn't always come easy to our hearts or our minds. We have naturally rebellious hearts and we want to fight against it. But there's no such thing. Well, there is a such thing as being rebellious against God. But God wants us to know him and he wants relationship with us. And this is one of the ways we can have relationship with him. That he can bring life to us through his word. So I want to encourage you. And we need to create an atmosphere where there's much more talk about, look, I'm finding this difficult, or what about that, or what are the understanding? Not so much of, hey, look at me, I've managed to do this. We're not interested in the people who managed to do that. Great, thank you very much. Can you please help all of us? Because we need to get into a place where we are receiving the word of God into our hearts. Because his word brings light. And what does light do? 
it expels darkness. And I want the darkness in my heart expelled. Finally, my fourth point is that God is a loving parent. And I, I choose these words carefully because the scripture that I'm going to read to you from Hebrews talks about as being a father. And God is our father and we know that picture. But I'm trying to put it in the concept because, look, not everybody's got a father. There's lots of one-parent families and so therefore there's mums. So, but the thing is, in those one-parent families, mum... And not just in a one-parent family. Mum plays as an important role as dad because she is giving guiding principles to the children of what they can and can't do. And as I say, we have to have this picture of the household where there's constant instruction. It's not like, now look, it's the first day of the month and on the first day of the month, I give you instructions for the rest of the month as to how you're to behave and then everything's going to run smoothly from there on. It, you know it doesn't work like that. If you come to a mealtime, I don't like this food. What do you mean? It's what I just cooked for you. You ate it last week, and you said you loved it. Yeah, yeah, but that's last week. I don't like it. Mum, I don't like, I'm not eating this. You've all been there with that type of thing, and let's not pretend that we haven't, because we have all been there, and it still happens. And some, no, I won't even go there, about teenage years. We're not even going to go there, okay? We just know this is reality. And if it's the reality for us in our lives, can we begin to understand that how children are is how we are before God? We're constantly fighting, complaining, moaning, groaning, crying, whining. And every now and again, we have a bit of fun. But then we go back to that, because it seems to me in, in households, there's, it, it seems there's a lot more hassle then there is just plain sailing. Every day is a bit of a fight. You know, we won't have a vote because I know that mums and dads say, yes, I agree, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. And I know that somebody here has probably got a perfect child. Well, we bless you <laughs> because it's not many of you, okay? You know, we, we know that. Hebrews 12, verses 5 to 7. Have you completely forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son... Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Now don't get the picture of like, which we're not supposed to be doing. Some of you have experienced it. I can remember getting the odd crack across the backside myself. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the fact, what does discipline mean? Discipline means the active, hands-on, loving training and instruction. And it doesn't always go in that way, because sometimes it's arguments and frustrated, but it's the active instruction of good information to help this child grow up in the right way. That's what it is. And we see, we love to think about the fact that God is love and God is creator and God is all the other things that he's, I've been talking about and you've been listening to. He's all of those things, but sometimes we forget the fact that God also says, I've had enough of this, stop. We don't like that because I don't like being told what I can and can't do. That's called rebellion and rebellion sits in our hearts and rebellion affects our relationship with God. And we don't like dealing with rebellion because that's just who I am. And you better deal with it. No, 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 no. You imagine getting that response from your five-year-old. You what? <laughs> don't talk to your mother or your father like that. Or the naughty step for you or whatever it is. You know, Difficult to put an 18-year-old on the naughty step. 17-year-old because they're actually still not an adult. Um, God 
doesn't like being treated like that. And yet the behavior of our hearts is often like that rebellious child. Oh, we don't talk about that in church because you see what we have is we have a mature attitude amongst us and as long as we keep to certain standards and as long as we all keep to those standards, then everybody else is uh, okay. But you see, it's not about our standards, it's about his standard. And he has said that I want you to love me with all of your hearts. I want you to love me. I want relationship with you. So here's the question. Are we allowing him space in our lives or are we running away from him? Are we rebelling and fighting and throwing the food back because we're not interested in it this day? It's not what I like. I want chips, but you had chips yesterday. I want whatever it might be. What is the state of our hearts here? God is. He is over everything. He's in control of everything. And he is going to orchestrate all things, even the coming of the end of the age. He is going to do that. The sun is going to be wrapped up. The heavens and the earth are going to be rolled away. A new heaven and a new earth is going to come about. So this stuff that they're all worried about, well, it's all being sorted out by God in the long run. But I don't want that day to come. Because there's people I love who I don't know where they are with God. I need my heart changed. I don't want to be a rebellious person. I don't want to keep fighting against God. I don't want to keep telling him like, mm, at church I get told to read the Bible, but I don't like that. I'm trying to give you, and we're trying to listen to the instructions of heaven, that we need to receive his word and follow his ways and do his commands. If you love me, Jesus says, listen to this, if you love me, you will obey what I command. If you love me, and here we are, we're trying to say like, well, we love you, we love you. If you love me, you will obey my command. It's a bit like the child's saying, if you eat that, then I'll give you some sweets. I'm not eating it. Right, there's no sweets for you then. I'm not trying to paint a picture of a bad God, but I'm trying to paint a picture of, come on folks, let's stop trying to be all lovely, lovely about God. Let's recognize that just as parents have to discipline children and work through rebellion and the fighting and the stuff that makes up family life, which actually does bind hearts together and cause people to work together. Oh yes, it may take some time, but it helps to build respect. There needs to be respect amongst the people of God for their God. We need to understand how great he is. We need to give him the worship that is due from our hearts. We need to learn to surrender to him. We need to literally have a holy fear of who he is, an awesome fear. Yes, he's our father, but yes, he is the one who when he says no, he means no. Not when he says no. What do you mean? We need to have hearts that come before him. God is great and he is mighty. Yeah, we'll have to finish there. So let's just, we thank God for this series. Lord, we thank you for this series of understanding who you are. Father, we just cry out for mercy. I ask, Father, do a, do a, a work in each of our hearts. Change us, Lord. Our hearts need to be softened. Father, when we stop and think, we see rebellious ways. We see 
the antagonism that's in our hearts. We see the resistance that we put towards you and we just put it down and we move on and one day passes for another. Yet, Father, you have called us to love you with all of our hearts and to serve your divine purposes. And, Father, we're praying to you this morning to ask, Lord, please help us. Please come to each heart. Lord, those that are facing troubles, difficulties, frustrations, those that are are dealing with the battles of home life, Father, of children, Father, all the stuff that's coming against us, we ask in the midst of everything that we're going through, will you allow our hearts to come to a place where we know that you are God? And will you help us to build relationship with you? Will you help our hearts to be open to you? And will you help us to walk with you? That your kingdom, Lord, may come in and through our lives. And that your will may be done in and through our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.